Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> than anybody else on the planet. We are often imitated, but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, National Spokesperson for the USDA, Biosecurity for Birds Program, and Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, fact-based, science-based, study-based information. If you want to read about chickens and dresses, there's a magazine for you, and it ain't mine. ChickenWhispererMagazine.com is where you can find all the issues that have been published to date. We've got a great show lined up for for you today, and we'll be back right after this short break. Stay with us, folks. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you are passionate about your backyard chickens. 
visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Give the chicken fountain a try. It's clean water by design. It's a new way to water your flock. Chickens to turkeys to ducks to peacocks. Nothing to lose, so start today. Not a major water, the easy way. Learn more now, you can't go wrong. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Established in 1957, GQF has become the name to trust when it comes to quality products and superior customer service. GQF offers a wide range of poultry products, including incubators, brooders, feeders, waters, and much, much more. Give them a call at 912-236-0651 or visit them online at gqfradio.com. That's gqfradio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today. We have two commercial breaks during this entire show. How cool is that? Not like TV or AMFM radio is commercial after commercial after commercial. One at the beginning and one about three quarters of the way through, and we're done. Support our sponsors because they bring you this radio show, and you can get all kinds of great free information from experts in their field uh, with the many topics that we cover here. So I'm uh, glad you can make it today. We have Alexandra Douglas, the quail lady. She's going to be talking about quail today. She's going to be answering some frequently asked questions about quail uh, that she's made a list of uh, on quail websites, quail blogs and forums and things. So really the top frequently asked questions 
that we hear about quail, she'll be answering for us today. So get those pens and papers out. I want to send a shout-out to all the folks listening live, the homeschoolers out there. Thank you very much for uh, implementing the show into your daily curriculum. And, of course, everybody in the chat room, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. The over-the-road truck drivers that listen to the archive, thank you very much. Keep the rubber on the road. Keep you safe out there and uh, get those uh, get that freight delivered. We appreciate you. All the feed and seats that stream this radio show live to their customers in their stores every day that we broadcast. Thank you very much for doing so. And uh, we do appreciate, again, all the archive listeners on iTunes.com, Podcast.com, Zoom.com, and there's many others that carry the show. Uh, was there, there's Slacker and, and the many others that I can't even keep up with. So i uh, got to love it. So we'll get to our topic here in just a second after a little bit of a post-chat segment. Let me tell you, I'm calling this week Adventure Week in my world, in my life, here in my with my family. Adventure Week, and uh, let me just tell you some of the things that we've done. If you uh, follow us on Facebook, uh, both my personal and my uh, professional page, you've seen some of the things that I've done, and uh, I can tell you, um, uh, well, I can't tell you, but because uh, you never know what you're going to say, but um, uh, I remember uh, a preacher uh, once said that he has uh, never heard anybody on their deathbed saying, I wish I wouldn't have done that. They always seem to say, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have spent more time with this person or that person. Uh, but he had never heard anybody on their deathbed say, I wish I wouldn't have, have done that. It's always, I wish I should have, should have, could have, would have, all these things. <laughs> and I do try to live my daily life so um, uh, I don't have to say that, and I won't say that. I will be like, I experience life to its fullest. I spent time with my family as much as I could. My kids are going to have great memories, whether my day ends tomorrow or 10 years from now. I want them to have great memories of doing great things with Daddy. Um, at the end of the day, when I'm lying in bed, all that matters to me is not how many fans I have on Facebook or Twitter, but the bottom line is Lily and Caleb proud of what Daddy did today. Amen, if that's it. That, that, that's what's important to me in my life. Um, again, spreading the chicken love is a passion of mine, based science-based, study-based information. I want to get it out there to you. We even let you read the magazine completely for free because we're passionate about getting that, that information out to you. So we really want to make sure uh, that we do that. That's kind of, So let me tell you about Adventure Week with me and Caleb today. He's three and a half years old. All week's been Adventure Week. Monday, we live in a rural area. You know, we travel a lot in the RV, so, boy, he's been in 32 states in the last 10 months traveling around spreading the chicken love with Daddy. Just got back in New York, seeing the Statue of Liberty. He loved it. Awesome. But now we're at home just for a few weeks before we hit the road again for the winter, and we'll be here for about five weeks. So we're, we're touring around, taking advantage of what's here in our county, here in rural Georgia, uh, all the things that he can see that's, that can educate him uh, as we homeschool. So Monday, we got in the truck, we started riding around, okay? We wanted to see if we could harvest some cotton, but they had moved from the field we thought they were going to be at. So guess what? We found some farmers harvesting peanuts. Yep, good old Georgia peanuts. We pulled up. We said, hey, I got my boy in the truck. We just want to hang out, look around, and, and get educated and learn about this. They said, heck, come on out and, in fact, climb up in that tractor. So, yep, it was awesome. My boy, three and a half, in a big John Deere tractor, you had to 
getting a step ladder to get up into it was so big. Um, harvesting peanuts, got great pictures of that. What a great education. We sat in the field, we picked the peanuts, shelled the peanuts, he just put them in his pocket. He, he ate a couple of them. Yeah, they're raw, so you can't eat a lot, you'll get the tummy ache. But we, we experienced that. It was great. We explained and we showed him how the how the machine worked and then where the peanuts go, dumping the peanuts into the big wagons and hauling them off to the, to the uh, scales. What a great experience on uh, Monday that was. It was absolutely uh, great. I'm trying to think if we did anything else on Monday um, other than that. I can't remember. There may be some other things that I posted pictures on. And then Tuesday, okay, we went out. I found out a field they were going to be doing cotton. We stopped by. We said, hey, we just want to see what's going on. They said, well, hey, come and learn. But yet, hop up in that combine. So here is Caleb in this huge John Deere combine. I'm talking about climbing a ladder to get into harvesting uh, six rows of cotton up and down, up and down, up and down. So what a great experience seeing uh, the uh, the tractor with the uh – with the bowl come up and, and, and then the combine emptying the cotton into the bowl wagon and then it going over to the to the cotton press and dumping it in the press and then it getting pressed down and packed down and then moving the press and then the bale, you know, just sitting there that weighs 7,000 pounds. Um, it's absolutely amazing. What a great time uh, when we did that on, uh, on Tuesday. <laughs> Today, what a great adventure. We woke up early this morning. We got dressed. We headed down to the railroad tracks. We saw three trains come through, huge diesel locomotives. He loves trains, tractors, and trucks. It was great. Um, after that, we headed to town to get a, a, a waffle and have breakfast together. And en route, we stopped to pick up some daddy's laundry. Well, guess what? Hey, this is a learning experience. Hey, can we get a tour of your facility? Absolutely. Come on in. Here, Caleb, all the all the uh, uh, clothes run down the rack and the track on through the, through the whole story. Loved it, laughing at that. And then all of a sudden, here comes Daddy's overalls and, and Daddy's work shirts. There they are. Um, got to see them pressing the clothes in the back. Got to see the big washing machines, industrial size, putting, you know, 25 pairs of jeans and just amazing. Um, and we did that. And then as we were heading over to the waffle place, hey, guess what? We just passed a, a pecan uh, company. Let's turn around. We turned around, walked in. We saw him processing pecans, pecans going down the conveyor belt, going up into a chute, filling up huge, huge bags, um, probably would fit only two bags into the back of a pickup truck. They were that big. They were all being wrapped up and shipped to China. You know, the Chinese are buying a bazillion of our pecans. Saw that. Saw that um, the whole processing. Then we went and had breakfast. Then we headed out again. I wanted to show them because there's a lot of sod farms. Cutting sod and loading sod. Well, we didn't make it in time. They had just done finishing cutting the sod at that particular location, uh, but they were loading it up on the truck. So we got to see forklifts in action loading the sod onto the big 18-wheelers. From there, it still wasn't over. We headed down the road. We were headed home, and guess what we saw? He loves tractors, trucks, and trains. He can name them all going down the road, whether it be a backhoe, front-end loader, motor grader, excavator, impact hammer, delimmer, um, uh, what is it, uh, <laughs> A feller buncher, um, um, sweeper, he knows them all. Um, and we saw a motor grader on the side of the road. Guess what? They were changing the tire. Pulled over, awesomeness. He had a, a fun time identifying all the parts on the motor grader from the blade, the toe, the heel, the tires, and how they can lean their wheels. He said, hey, lean the wheels. He knows all of that. It's absolutely awesome. 
we saw him change that big tire, had a little crane on the back of the truck, lifted that tire right up, put it in the back of the truck, and off they went. Great experience for him. Then it even gets better. We're riding down the road. They're irrigating some uh, uh, collards and greens, irrigation flying over the road. So we stopped, real rural area. We just stopped and uh, let the irrigation irrigate our truck about five or six times. Those big irrigation arms that go through, on the very end, they've got a scatter gun. And it just, uh, right, so so we got irrigated today. I asked them if we were going to go grow big like corn. So uh, it was absolutely awesome. And uh, <laughs> but uh, and then we uh, got home, and, of course, he loves getting the mail. And uh, one of the groups we belong to called Full-Time Families. It's all about families that RV uh, a lot on the road. And uh, we're going to start doing pen pals. So he loves to get the mail with me. He loves to turn the key. But, unfortunately, uh, he'll reach in, and there's no mail for Caleb. So I said, hey, let's solve this problem. So now... We've got uh, kids all around the country going to be sending mail. We're going to start mailing back and forth so their kids can experience mail and getting mail and with stickers and games and puzzles and different things like that that you can mail, worksheets, color sheets. And so uh, hopefully by the end of this week, he'll be starting to get some mail uh, to him in the, in the mailbox down at the P.O. box when we go get those. So you have to uh, to love it. So uh yeah, exactly. It'd be definitely, uh, East Dallas Dave said in the chat room, a good comparative lesson would be to have them go out into the field. And we were in the cotton fields, actually, uh, when we were picking peanuts. Uh, before we went to pick peanuts Monday, we walked through cotton fields and looked at the cotton, which was higher than him, of course, and feeling it and all. And, and um, <clears throat> But, um, yeah, he's saying in, in the chat room to have them go and pick some cotton by hand uh, with a drag bag, you know, behind him picking it and put it in the bag. Uh, a little history lesson there, and then and then it'll make them appreciate riding in a big combine with, yes, it had air conditioning in it and a stereo and GPS and automatic pilot. <laughs> I'm serious, guys. This thing was awesome. A, a, a computer screen in there. It, uh, it's, holy cow, it was absolutely awesome. Yeah, automatic pilot. Press a few buttons, sit back, and it just runs down the rows. Of course, you couldn't do that with my garden because my rows are so darn crooked. <laughs> automatic pilot wouldn't work. So, uh, my goodness gracious. So, this is Education Week. This is Adventure Week. And Caleb wakes up in the morning, and I hear his feet pitter-pattering down the hallway into our uh, our bedroom. And, uh, uh, what's the adventure going to be today, Daddy? Let's go adventure. So, uh, we had a good adventure today. Tomorrow, I'm going to try to get out to the sod farm uh, so we can see him actually cutting sod and then actually putting them on the pallet and then loading them up in the truck. So that'll be a whole experience regarding that. So we're definitely looking forward to uh, doing that. So it's been ed- uh, Education Week. Uh, we've had a really good time here in, uh, in rural Georgia. So i got to love it, and uh, Caleb's loving it, life experience. And I've been posting pictures on the Facebook and the Twitter. So that's host chat for today. We've had a great time, and uh, just uh, loving life, loving experience in life, and spending time with the family. So that's what it's all about. So, uh, hey, let's get on with the show today. We're talking all about quail with Alexander Douglas, the quail lady and uh, today we're going to be doing or she's going to be answering uh, the most frequently asked questions regarding raising quail in fact she's going to have an article in the winter issue of chicken whisperer magazine um, all about uh, uh, raising quail and so we're definitely raising quail for a chicken uh, chicken keeper so we're definitely going to be looking forward to that uh, around uh, November 1st when that issue gets uh, published and mailed out and sent out both digitally and print. So we're definitely looking forward to that. So let's get over here to the phone lines, and we will bring on Alexandra Douglas. In fact, let's go ahead and give her a great big chicken whisperer listener welcome. Oh. 
All righty. Hey, Alexander, thanks for joining us today. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. The computer's acting up. The switchboard didn't work like it was supposed to. There we go. Welcome to the show. You're live now. Oh, thank you. Can you hear me very well? We can hear you very well. Excellent. Absolutely no problem. Wonderful. I have two sets of um, headsets, one landline and one on computer. I'm testing the landline right now, and hopefully that works all right. Yep, you're sounding great, loud and clear. Probably sound better than I do because I rarely set up my big soundboard with all my fancy stuff because it just takes a little bit long to do, and then I travel on the road and take, you know, it's just a pain. So you probably sound a lot better to our listeners than I'm than I'm coming through right now. So uh, no worries there. But it is the fourth Wednesday of the month, so folks, mark that on your calendar. Fourth Wednesday, uh, Alexander Douglas, the Quail Lady, author and um, and now contributor to uh, Chicken Whisperer magazine. So, gotta love that. And uh, so today, you're going to be kind of uh, teaching us by answering some uh, frequently asked questions regarding the raising of quail. Yes, definitely. I I find that this is very important since um, there are many bloggers now and. Um, worldwide and sometimes the good posts get hidden um, with all the other posts so it's very important to answer the questions and there's many ways of raising the quail that is correct but there were some questions that hit me and um, I feel that it's important to um, answer them in in the way I would raise them but also um, you know more educational as well just to get get those answers out to help people raise quail and so um, I do have, I did collect about 10 pages of um, questions here, so I won't answer all of them, but if anybody does have any questions, I'll be happy to answer them as well. And um, so I, what I did is I gathered a bunch of questions that I see um, on forums, on um, groups. On um, some, some are more basic than others, and some were just very interesting that um, I felt that I should just answer them the best that I can. And... Um, one of the questions is, um, you know, how healthy are quail eggs? And um, with the popularity of quail um, being so compact and easy to, ra- well, not easy to raise, but um, easy to raise in a smaller environment um, than chickens, um, quail eggs are, in fact, quite um, nutritious for you. Um, they are packed full of vitamins and minerals, and um, even with their small size, their nutritional value is about three to four times greater than chicken eggs. Um, so if you wanted to um, if you wanted to raise quail for eggs, this might be an option for you. Um, if you have allergies, quail eggs are a good source of alternatives. Some many people are getting allergic to chicken eggs, most likely because um, grocery eggs may have um, more hormones in it and more medication that can cause somebody to get more allergic to them. Well, with quail eggs, you know they are three to four times greater than chicken eggs in nutrition. And although I do like chicken eggs, quail eggs are um, a good alternative. They are small, so you need to have about five to six in a meal. But they're still they're they're still cute and um, fun to eat. Children love to eat them. If you hard boil them and you give them to kids, they absolutely adore them being so small. Um, they contain about 140 percent of vitamin B1 compared to 50 percent in chicken eggs. Another good source of vitamin B1 for you and. They do provide five times as much iron and potassium as well. And like I mentioned before, unlike chicken eggs, quail eggs um, have not been known to cause allergies. But, you know, as, you know, as we all develop, our quail, um, quail may t- 
To some people, quail may, eggs may cause allergies. I do know of someone that is allergic to chicken eggs, quail eggs, and duck eggs. So altogether, we haven't really found her a good source of um, egg nutrition. But um, some people are different, and quail eggs are a good source um, alternative if you do have al- egg allergies. And um, they do fight those allergy symptoms due to the ovomucoid protein that they contain um, that chickens do not contain. And another question that I do have um, regarding quail eggs is if you can get sick from quail eggs, and it is a yes and no answer. Um, Some people eat quail eggs raw, and I know that sounds gross, but um, they do contain um, a substance called lysozyme, and lysozyme um, kills bacteria, and many people do eat eggs raw. It is a good source of vitamins, especially since cooking can destroy valuable nutrition. And personally, I have tried um, eggs raw in my um, milkshakes and my shakes in the morning for health reasons, and um, I haven't gotten sick. But, you know, if you do touch other animals, if you touch, you know, you can get salmonella pretty easily um, with uncooked foods. And so if you want to take the risk of eating quail eggs raw, um, you are welcome to do so. I, I do it, but I do practice cleanliness as well. And... Um, that is a yes and no um, answer there. I do understand um, many people do have um, different opinions on eating quail eggs. And um, also, you can overdose on vitamin A. Um, it is, you know, a proven proven fact that you can overdose on it. I need vitamin A, but um, many people like chicken eggs, um, chicken egg eaters and everything. You can eat about 10 eggs a day, um, if, 10 quail eggs a day in a meal if you, if you need to. Um, but most do eat about five, you know, one chicken egg equals about five quail eggs. So um, five quail eggs is plenty for nutrition, for your salads and for your breakfast as well. Like I said, they are cute. You know, you um, you can hard boil little quail eggs and, you know, they taste the same as chicken eggs. Um, just they're, you know, compact and cute. And um, you can also, you can cook your chicken eggs and you can cook quail eggs together and have a um, poultry meal in the morning, you know, um, also you know, emu eggs, and you can hard-boil everything you can and just have an interesting meal in the morning. It's all opinionated on that, though. But um, many experts do recommend um, that if you do consume the eggs raw or um, boil them briefly for less than 30 seconds, you just have to take that into um, risk about that you could get sick from it. So those are my two answers on quail eggs. Another one is also that I've been seeing um, online especially is should I wash my quail eggs? Now, in the health aspect, you should wash anything um, because the outside shell can contain feces, which can make you sick. Now, quail eggs um, have, you know, with quail eggs, there's um, you can hatch quail eggs and um, you can eat them just like um, chicken eggs. However, um, with quail eggs, uh, many of them, um, not including bob whites, they have that really um, at- attractive pigment, especially Coturnic's eggs. They have those nice spots. And um, and when you wash quail eggs, it does take away that bloom. It gets rid of those um, little black spots that are on the eggs as well. And that can just rub off um, with water, which is quite interesting how their paint department works that way. So, um you can wash them before eating, but um, many people, um, you know, they, they put it into a vinegar solution um, and pickle quail eggs, and that shell just comes off. 
and um, you can crack open eggs with a special um, quail egg cutter, and that, that's also another way to get that yolk out without needing to wash your eggs. Um, personally, I don't wash my quail eggs. Um, I find that the, the color and the beauty of the the paint that you know produced by the quail just makes the quail egg more edible. If I wanted a white egg, um, I would get a bob white, and then I could just wash those eggs. Um, also, um, if I wanted a white egg, I could get a chicken egg as well. So one of the benefit, one of the benefits and fun of have, eating quail eggs is because of when you open up that carton, you have these really cute eggs that have that colorful shell on it, and it's just it's a shame to see that color go away. Um, it, it kind of takes away the beauty of it from your eyes, so it's not as edible and appeasing to the eye, but um, you can, it's, it's an option. You can always wash quail eggs. Just make sure to not incubate them after washing because that bloom goes off and you can get um, bacteria can seep in the pores and that makes the egg vulnerable to being um, an explosive egg and egg bombs in the incubator is not so fun. And so those are my three questions on um, questions answered from quail eggs that I see all over about the health of quail eggs, the um, washing them, um, you can make many cute meals out of quail eggs. They're wonderful for salads. I know a friend that makes a quail egg salad for her son um, every day, and it just it adds beauty to the food, but it also adds nutrition to the food. Two two good benefits of um, having quail eggs. And um, another important um, another important answer that I need a question that I needs answered is nutrition. I am seeing a lot of um, folks give their um, quail chicken food. And although, you know, chicken food is great, it feeds chickens. It's not adequate for quail. It is very high in salt, and um, the protein levels are not as high as well. And quail need, um, quail are highly profitable since they have a high metab um, high metabol uh, metabolic rate. They need that protein for energy. So it's very important to finding that right food for your quail um, if you do raise chickens, and I know many Chicken Whisperer fans raise chicken, I raise chicken myself, but um, protein is very important. I feed a high-protein diet to my chickens as well, but with quail, that protein protein is so um, essential to that um, the well-being of that quail that it will be good to find the correct um, food for them. And you can ask your feed store to order it in. Right? I, I do know um, it might be more expensive that Amazon does sell food for quail and chickens. Um, I don't know the freshness involved, but um, there are many options to find that correct food for your bird. And all quail, regardless of species, need a high-protein diet of 28% or more. Budding quail are a little bit different because um, they are egg machines as well, but they're more into the pet bird category. Therefore, um, you can add finch seeds to their diet um, to lower that protein a bit, especially during maintenance time. Um, budding quail um, are like Coturnics. They are not in the Coturnics family, but um, they will produce an egg every day. They will produce a lot of eggs, but they're little birds and they have little bodies, and so it's always good to give them a break. So with that high protein, it's good to give them, um, give them more of a diversity of different foods. And um, I recommend fish seeds, um, not fish seeds, finch seeds for them. Um, fish will be another story, and um, finch seeds, thistle seeds, um, things you would feed a um, finch. However, do add those crumbles. They are very important. 
And um, I do see many people recommending um, for quail a maintenance food um, or a layer feed, a quail layer, a game bird layer feed of less than 28%. And I really, personally, I do not understand why you would feed your quail that, but I do understand um, some people do raise bob whites, and bob whites, um, they're, you know, they're for flight, and you don't want overweight birds um, if they are raised for flight for training. And so um, I recommend always 28% or more. If you cannot find 28%, and one of my friends did send me a message saying, what if the feed store only carries a 22% chicken layer um, feed and all of the game bird food in the area is medicated, what would you do for that and how to best increase that percentage? And um, some game bird feed is medicated. It is recommended not to feed medicated feed because there has been some scientific cases um, where it causes the bird to be sterile. And if you're, you know, producing a bunch of quail, the um, if you have a sterile, you know, a sterile male, what is the point of um, reproducing those birds? Um, it makes the male useless. And although you can eat it, um, there has been some cases that feed in the medic um, feed in Medication in the feed does cause sterility. Um, it's not, there are not very many articles, but if you really look deep, you may find one or two that um, there has been some cases of it. And I don't see very many people mentioning that their birds are sterile, so possibly they have altered the medication in the, um, in the diet a little bit more so that it doesn't cause this problem. But it has been, um, there has been some cases in budding quail with that issue. If this is your only choice for feed, you may go for it. You know, I'm always against medicating your um, animals unless they really need it because of that resistance, their immune resistance that causes within. And um, in some regions, medicated is the only option. So ordering in food may be necessary. Um, for quail, if you find a turkey starter or finisher and add some thistle seeds, thistle seeds are high in protein. Catfish pellets, that's another um form of protein because there's not very much um, bad ingredients in catfish pellets. And people, you, if you want um, good fish, you need to feed them good food as well. We have tilapia, so we always give them to catfish pellets, and that catfish pellets can also go for the quail as well. That will help with the protein percentage because tilapia also like high protein. They're, they're the quail of the um, water world, I call them. Um, another option is to add to that food would be boss. And if you don't know what boss is, it's just black-oiled sunflower seeds and showing chickens. That's a good way to give them good feather plumage, uh, make them presentable for show as well. And um, it adds a little bit of weight, but it's also very good protein. Protein is very important um, for poultry especially because, of, because they do grow fast. Even if chickens take um, six or seven months to get to maturity, they do. That is still faster than other creatures. And so the... You can add boss to your um, food, catfish pellets, or a combination of both. Um, if they, if the quail don't, you know, to pick around, you can always grind it to a smaller consistency to help with palatability. And you know, I like I mentioned, try not to feed chicken feed, just like cat food. Chicken food is formulated for chicken, and its salt count content, um, in actuality, is too high for the quail. You can actually get um, what's called salt toxicity, which can wipe out your flock. You know, quail have, their body is made um, specifically. Chicken are made specifically. Humans are made specifically. 
sometimes you need to have that correct diet in order for the bird to thrive. And um, it's like, we don't eat cat food, they shouldn't eat cat food. And I'm going to mention um, cat food as a protein source later on. But uh, before that, um, another question that I see often is, what types of treats should I feed my quail? Now, because of the popularity of quail, um, many people are raising them for the hobby, which is wonderful. Um, the hobby can include, you know, pets or for food consumption. And when you have pets, you know, you want to train them and have fun um, with them as well. And you want to spoil them. They're your pets. Um, I know of many friends that have quail as pets, um, free-ranging, um, which I, I don't understand free-ranging, but if you can clean up after the mess, that's perfectly fine on how you, you know, treat your birds. And um, when I started with quail, I had some pet quail as well. I didn't, um, just until I finished college, um, I had quail as only egg producers, and I wouldn't, at that time, I would not eat them. They were just too friendly to me. But quail can eat treats. The type of treat is important, however. They're, um, because their diet is so important, their main diet should mainly consist of 28% or more protein crumbles. Some game bird feed does have 24%, and I recommend to bump up that protein. Um, you know, the 28% or more protein crumbles, they're specifically a feed made for game birds. If they weren't around, if you know, if quail didn't need that, then that food wouldn't be around. And there is just better, um, when you're raising quail, you just have a better chance of having production and more success if your food consists of the 28% or more protein. And um, I don't see very many pellets lately in, for quail because they are small birds. They pick around. Um, normally, it would be the 28% um, protein crumbles. And they are made for game birds, and um, but even my birds, you know, I raise some for um, standards, you know, working on colors, just like chickens. Quail are a wonderful way to um, produce fast, and they also are fun to play around with colors as well, just like chickens. Um, they do like attention with treats. They're always happy to see you when you... Um, Regardless of what you're going to do with them, they're always they're always happy to see you because for me they see that orange bucket and they immediately think I'm going to feed them, even if the bucket has um, screws or nails in there for working on what they always think that they're going to get food. So you know the common recommended treats um, for quail, regardless of what species you have, most of these questions are generalized because game birds are game birds regardless of what species they are. And mealworms are great. You can grow them out. They're very easy to grow. They reproduce fast, and they're wonderful treats for your chickens as well. Alfalfa sprouts, a little bit on the high end, um, you know, in pricing. But if you do, if you get them in bulk, the price does go down on them. And that, um, the alfalfa sprouts are very healthy for humans and quail. So sometimes it's nice to share your food. And if you want to, you know, if you want to give them good treats, why not give them healthy treats? And um, crickets are a good way um, to feed them. However, it can be a disaster if they all escape out of their little cage there. And recently, um, one of the um, advances is fodder. And I, I have to do some tests with it because they do need that specificity with the 28 or more percent of protein. Um, fodder has really good ingredients, um, barley, wheat, um, what would act, it would also be in their feed and everything, and 
The only issue that I have with fodder, however, is especially with Coturnix, they've been laboratory animals. They've been very domesticated. Um, not all quail will go into grass and eat. They, they'll depend more on humans than in the nature. If you leave a Coturnix out, which I don't recommend, they can scratch for bugs um, if they're on ground, but um, it may be hard for them to get all of the nutrition they need from fodder um, unless you raise them at a young age. For example, my birds, some of mine have been um, some keepers of mine that I raise for color. Um, I don't eat them, so they're about five, six years old already, and if I gave them fodder, they would think I'm torturing them to death. So... Um, if you wanted to start with a fodder system, which I'm going to try it, um, many people have already done it for chickens and cattle and sheep and all of the fun animals as well. Um, but with quail, um, my advice is if you wanted to try a fodder pro system, um, fodder is, the system is quite expensive. You may want to make it yourself. Um, start at a young age, maybe about a week um, of age, introduce them with the regular food, the fodder, and perhaps they will get that instinct back. I do know that budding quail, um, even though they are domesticated, they, um, they, they're domesticated and they're habitual animals, but they have that instinct of being wild. And same with bobwhites. They have that instinct of being more flighty. So with flightier animals, the fodder actually, personally, they may be even better. And also with insects, um, you would need to make sure that you feed those sparingly as um, crickets not so much, but mealworms are high in fat. And if they, get, um, if they get too much fat, especially around their cloaca, you know, when they're laying, they may be able um, to have egg and more egg impactions and more health issues, gaining weight. So if you wanted to raise uh, mealworms, um, a more efficient and healthier way, drying them up and giving them dry rather than giving them a full live worm um, may be the best option. But it is, opin um, it is opinionated on, you know, what kind of bugs you feed your animals. You know, in the wild, they would pr pretty much eat everything that they can see in sight. Um, with any bird, they see bugs, and that's, like, the first thing they want to eat. So anything that moves. So Moving, um, you know, live animals are more um, attractive to the eye of the bird, but um, health-wise, if you want to keep them on a specific diet and make sure that they're not gaining as much weight, um, drying the insects would be the best bet. But it's also time-consuming, so if you do want to feed the bird um, a few mealworms a day, that won't hurt. Just don't give them a huge bucket of worms. They still need their um, regular diet. They depend on us on that. Their bodies are just made a certain way. They've evolved, um, they have evolved over time to depend on humans. That putting them back on their natural diet as they would have in the wild um, will be problematic to some. Another issue um, with the, um, when speaking about nutrition is cat food a good protein source? And in forums, even when I started um, on backyard chickens and all of the other popular forums, backyard chickens is there's thousands of different forms that one can um, join right now. Cat food, they're like, well, it works for me. It's good protein, and I haven't had any problems, so cat food is good. And unfortunately, um, cat food being a um, protein source, yes, it's high in protein, but it is an absolutely no-no. 
And I do see chickens being fed cat food, and it's absolutely pet peeve to see that because it is pumping those animals with um, the wrong nutrition. Um, cat food should be fed to cats, like chicken food could be um, should be fed to um, chickens. And another um, thing I would like to mention, even though chicken food is formulated for chicken, if you do, if you absolutely do not have any ga- um, game bird starter in the area, the feed store is unable to order it for you, which I find ridiculous because they should be able to um, gather as much food as they can for the benefit of the animal. But um, if you must use chicken feed, um, do add cat. Um, catfish pellets, um, boss, alfalfa sprouts, try to up that protein some. But in all honesty, chicken food contains too much salt for the bird um, that it is just, it can be a death sentence. And I've lost some birds. I've lost um, one year 20% of my quail due to to salt toxicity actually in game bird feed. And um, just um, try to hear it out that, you know, if you can get game bird crumbles if you can um if you can order them then try to do everything you can to get them the correct food and going back to cat food um salt toxicity is also an issue cat food contains a lot of salt and other unnecessary ingredients that can harm the birds they are processed in such a way um and even you know that they're made for cats some cat food may not even be good for cats and feeding them raw would be the best bet but if you if you must add protein, um, ignore the cat food, um, ignore those processed foods, and try try catfish floating pellets. Those you can grind those down, and um, and they are really high in protein, really good, and they don't contain um, as much salt as the other feeds, but they're very high in protein, which is beneficial for the bird. And I understand. We have many bloggers in the world now, and um, they have followers, and people follow these blogs to the T. And just because a few people recommend it and it works fine for them, it does not mean that that is the truth. You know, um, the world is full of opinions, but science is always science trumps opinions in big um, in retrospect. And um, many of the good writings, like I've. I've written stuff years ago, and because of the new um, the new generation and so many people interested in backyard being a backyard hobby, poultry, you name it, um, the good good articles are being hidden, and all of the top all of the brand new articles, which might not be the correct ones that you want to hear, but um, they just have been um, lately not as informative. Um, and it's just hard to find good articles nowadays. Now, I've seen people saying that I, I'd um, rather, you know, instead of Googling, um, Googling the information or getting a book, you know, they want to rely on groups. And forums are great. You get to meet new friends and you get to share your ideas. However, those books may have scientific facts in it. And in Google, if you search the right key term, you will find a good scientific article. Um, I would believe um, articles by veterinarians, extension um, officers um, in states, um, websites, you know, um, biosecurity is, you know, with all of these 
not outbreaks, but these diseases that humans are getting, you know, biosecurity is another thing that needs to be um, taken into account as well because everybody can carry something that can pass on to birds. And so it is, um, I have nothing against blogs. You know, I blog myself, but um, try to get a few facts, scientific facts, before you make your decision on who to believe lately. It's getting, the world is getting a bit on the crazy side with um new owners trying to be experts and um, sharing information that other other people take to the T as well. And it can be a disaster, and myths can be spread very fast. One example of a myth is, um, you know, our quail white meat. And although bobwhites have the lightest meat, um, there was this there was a rumor that Texas A&M quail, because they have white feathers, they had white meat. And although the meat is lighter, it's still considered dark meat. Most quail are dark meat birds. So that was one. One person probably wrote that blog saying that, you know, it's white meat because they're white birds, and then it passes along, and then it comes to somebody like me, and you have to tell them the truth. So that's another um, another little fact about bloggers. Nothing against bloggers. You know, I'm a blogger myself, but... Um, you know, just do some research before you're owning an animal. Get a good book. Um, read a few articles. You know, the Chicken Whisperer has a, uh, most of the um, articles in that. I've, I just got my first issue here, and I was just amazed at the amazing information in there as well. Um, magazines are great, but you have to see the credibility of the author as well to see who to believe as well. And so we do um, – there's still – you know, I have about – Actually, it's now 11 pages of questions that came up. And if any, you know, throughout this session, if somebody does have a question, I'll be happy to answer them as well so I don't end up talking um, talking of what I'm seeing or what I feel that needs to be emphasized. Yeah, no problem. We can ask if there's any uh, questions in the chat room, and then we can open. If someone uh, feels like calling, they can call. I can monitor the uh, switchboard, uh, 347-637-3237. Again, that's 347-637-3237. And, of course, just uh, post it in the chat room. We'll go ahead while we have a, a little break. We'll go ahead and run our second set of uh, commercials for today's show, and then that will wrap it up. No more commercials. So just two breaks uh, per show. Uh, which is far less than any TV show you ever watch, as well as uh, radio stations that you may listen to in your car. So, um, But uh, support these folks because they bring you all this great information for free um, here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. So we'll be back with more Alexander Douglas the Quail Lady and answering your frequently asked questions about quail right after this short break. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brency.com. Brency spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brency.com or call... 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brency. Technology you can trust. 
You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Our special guest is Alexandra Douglas, a.k.a. the Quail Lady. And, of course, she's answering some frequently asked questions regarding raising a quail. I've got about, uh, let's just call it 10 till 3. So we've got another oh, 15 or uh, 20 minutes before the end of the show, and that's a plenty of time to get more frequently answered or asked questions answered by Alexandra. Are you still live? I, was I sure am. Okay, there you go. Perfect. And 
I tried to put you on mute during the break, but I was having some Java issues here, and um, the switchboard, at least the caller side, we got 50 phone lines, and I couldn't uh, put you on mute or anything like that. So I tried to bring you back, and you're already on, and no problems. But hey, you're here. That's the important thing. And I'll turn it back over to you. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Well, Lisa on Christmas, um, Lisa Christmas Chick. Sorry, I put two names. I don't know which one you want to be referred to, but... um, she had a good question um, that I'll add when I talk about the health questions that I see. Fortunately, I don't see very um, – it is unfortunate, but I don't see very many health questions on Quail um, when I did browse for questions on Frequently Asked. And some of these, you know, I get emails about um, – I get about 50 to 100 emails a day with questions. So some of these do end up um, being on there. Um, but we do have um, one interesting question, and um, I might as well go first in housing questions since we don't have very many of those, so we can go over that. But um, with quail, how many uh, males to females should my ratio be? That seems to be a very common question. Um, quail do need um, one square foot of space per bird. Um, I'm trying, you know, I raise them more commercially, so I usually try to get it to the 1 to 1.5, so they get a little bit more space so they can get their enrichment. Um, but usually uh, many quails of uh, many species of quail are actually monogamous in nature, such as the budding quail and African harlequin. Monogamous just means one pair. There has been a lot of um, colony raising with budding quail, and it is an opinionated answer as well. But in the wild, they are monogamous in nature, so I personally like to raise them as they were in the wild, one male to one female. And they do have bonding pairs. Um, I've had problems when a male dies and the female will not accept another male, regardless of what I do. Or the vice versa, when the female dies, the male will call and call and grieve for a few weeks before he accepts a new female. Seems like males are a little bit easier to um, please. But um, by by colonizing um, those species, and African harlequins are actually in the Caternix family, and budding quail are in the Excalfactorio family. There are two different families there. And you're you're really asking for a shorter lifespan when you colonize them. They're just more wily when they're in groups, more fighting occurs, and less egg production. And um, budding quail are mistaken as coternics and sometimes treated the same. And what I recommend is do your research prior to owning these birds. There's actually a really good book on budding quail out there. It's called A Closer Look um, Closer Look on Budding Closer um, Closer Look of Budding Quail or on Budding Quail. I, and um, it's by Jody McDonald, and she has done she has 30 years of experience with budding quail, especially. And that book is to die for. It has to be on every single. If you raise budding quail, that is the book. Uh, mine is missing a cover, and it's been overused. But that w- that is the budding quail bible. And there's information on other birds out in there. But um, that is a wonderful book um, to own if you're interested in raising budding quail or if you do have budding quail. Budding quail in other um, countries are known as king quail. And um, here they're known as the Chinese blue-breasted quail. The blue-breasted is just the wild-type variety. They come in just like um, our Coternix japonica. They do come in many varieties, which makes them really fun to raise. And do your research prior to owning those guys. They are the most misunderstood little quail out there, and um, unfortunately, I do get very many many emails saying that um, one, but they had a quail in the colony settings, and one got beaten up uh, in a bunch, and um, 
big being small, you do bond with them. They're wonderful bottom feeders for they're bottom bottom dwellers um, for finch cages. You just have to make sure to feed them the proper food. And as for Coturnix itself, the African harlequin family, but they're a little bit bigger than the budding quail, so they're treated like budding quail or should be treated like budding quail due to their size. But they're wonderful, prolific birds and fun to have, and their sounds are really fun too. Um, and as for Coturnix, though, the, um, when I'm talking to Katern about Coturnix, I usually refer um, to them as the Japanese Coturnix or Coturnix japonica, Japanese quail. All of those are the same term there. They are Kobe birds, um, means that they do thrive in co- a colony of two males per eight females. Um, that is a ratio of one male per every female. However, some birds don't get along, and um, sometimes they do have to be in pairs or trios, whatever works for you on housing. And if you do follow that one square foot rule per bird, um, you can make your decisions um, that way. What works for me, I've tried everything. I do have some pairs because of color projects. But I do find my most wonderful producers are two ma- two males per eight females. More males cause problems. Males do fight. Females can beat up males as well. Females can beat up females. And that seems like a good ratio, one male per every four females. And bobwhites are pair birds too. Um, they they are found in the wild in pairs, but they too tolerate being groups um, for you know, they do tolerate being groups as a, for a safety reason. You can raise a bunch of um, bunch of bobwhites in one area, and they do fine. And but what's funny is if you see bobwhites in the wild at night, there's like eight to ten birds sleeping together in a covey circle, and all their butts are together, and it's like a nice circle because they're watching out for each other. During the day, they can hang out with their pair, but at night, they're buddies. <laughs> and it, it's just it's a very interesting thing. I have um, I got bobwhites again, and it's just fun seeing them sleep at night. It's like a nice big circle. All their butts are together, um, you know, in a nice little pattern there, and. Um, they're just watching out. There's everybody has eyes all around. It's just interesting how they um, they make themselves safe. And a very common yet important question to answer is: Can I mingle t- um, together different ages? You know, you have a one-week quail, and then you have a two-week-old quail, and then you have a seven-week-old quail. And the answer to that is a is a yes and no answer. With coturnics and bobwhites, if they're smaller birds in the flocks, those are to be honest, those are the first to die. They're weaker. Um, they they don't thrive as well because the bigger guys are eating all the food, and um, they can get trampled. So when moving, when you're when you're hatching out birds and they're growing out, and you see some smaller, moving those smaller ones to another cage to see if they will grow up, grow to full potential is a good way for them not to get smothered by others. And it happens to many. Quail can be hard to raise, especially when you hatch them out and you have thousands in the brooder. You know, there will be some that accidentally get smushed. But make sure the birds are the same size when introducing them. And make um, that way that they, even though, you know, if you have a six-week-old Coturnix and a nine-week-old, they're the, they may be the same size. One may be a little thinner than the other because once they get to nine weeks, they're fatted out, and after that it's basically fat that they're producing. But also to introduce them in an unfamiliar setting. Because what happens is that just like us, we get habitual and, you know, it's my cage and then there's a new bird that comes in and they will beat them up regardless if the you know if that bird was originally friendly. It's a dominance issue. So introducing everybody, if you want to add, for example, 10 birds to a 50-bird 50, um, 50 flock, 
putting them in a different environment before you move them back to the cage that you want them to in, be in is a wonderful idea because what happens is that they're not used to the new environment, so they're all stressing out about it. So because they're stressing out about the new environment, they won't um, they won't try to kill each other or anything about any newcomers. They're all a new family. So keeping them in a different cage for a day or two and then moving them to the um, established cage that you would like is a good way to introducing newcomers as well. But one issue that I do see is putting new males with older males, and that seems to be a harder situation because scalping occurs. And what that happens is that when quail want to fight, they fight to the death. And um, what happens is that, you know, the first layer of their um, scalp, scalp falls off, and so what happens is that you just see their um, skull hanging out there, which is not very good, and bacteria can set. And... Um, so what you do with that is if you do see a scalped quail, you remove them immediately. They're going to die if they still can, if they stay with the Kobe that they're in. And um, one good um, solution to treat their head is blue coat. However, blue coat, you can get purple all over you, so it tends to be a little bit annoying on my end because I'm clumsy and then I, get, I end up being purple for a couple weeks. And that's just not – I don't like it. Um, but blue coat is wonderful for all animals. And um, wonderful, you know, to treat those wounds as well. Another, um, but what I was told in college, though, um, is Neosporin. And Neosporin treats those scalps really fast. Um, the skin may not grow back, but actually the skin will grow back, but they may be not having any feathers growing up there. Um, but Neosporin is a good antibiotic to treat those um, wounds as well. So that's an option. You know, I personally, when I have... I haven't really had any aggression issues. Aggression is usually from having low protein, um, about less than 24%, and lighting issues as well. So I really haven't had problems with birds fighting. Um, that and I, whenever I introduce new birds or new layers, that is, I, I move them to a different setting. They get a whole new cage with um, new smells and um, enrichment that they usually do not fight. But if that happens, um, I do um, remove the problematic bird because when I raise birds, I have a male for every female. So if you have 100 birds, there's quite a few males in there, and if the males do not get along, the one that's causing the aggression is usually removed. It can be treated as a pet um, or it can get its own female, but um, if it's not getting along with the group, I don't want to have a million um, pair cages just because of a male that doesn't get along. I like to, um, I selectively breed for taller, um, temperament as well. So that's probably why I'm not seeing so many aggression, aggressive animals. But you always remove, if something like this happens and you see a bird beaten up, watch, even if it's females, watch which one is doing that problem and remove it from the flock. You don't have to cull it. You don't have to put it down if you don't want to. But remove it from the flock because what happens is that aggression happens, which causes, um, Injuries, and when a bird is injured, they don't want to produce as well. And quail are known for meat and eggs, and production-wise, um, we want them to be producing. And so another um, question that I also see is, um, it's they're more like health um, health questions. And um, Lisa Christmas um, Lisa Christmas check did answer. Um, ask a question about um, do you add probiotics and electrolytes when the bird hatches? 
that I consider that a health question. You can give them probiotics and um, electrolytes, but what happens with that is that they um, they pass you know they pass ep- epigenes, and epigenes is env- environmental changes that affects their genetic makeup. And when that occurs, if you're if every hatch you give them the probiotics and electrolytes, eventually they're going to require it. And so I don't, personally, I don't give them any sugar water. I don't give them electrolytes. When they hatch, um, when they hatch, they get their regular food as soon as they um, get out of the hatcher. Regular food mashed up sometimes with water, um, crumbles. They get a few choices there and then water. Now, what I do at times is if they are traveling, you know, if you're getting a bunch of hatchery birds, you know, from a hatchery, I, I do give them electrolytes. But when I when they start producing, I don't give the babies that do hatch electrolytes, if that makes sense. It's more like the electrolytes are used to help them um, surpass the traveling stress. But with my own birds, if I must, I give them apple cider vinegar, um, which is said to be a preventative, um, but cleanliness and paranoia for me. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of medicine on the market, too. Um, so I hope that answered your question, Lisa. And there's a lot of medication on the market. Many people are over-medicating the birds. And um, another question that I see in many groups and many for- forums is, what do you use to worm your birds? And, um, you know, in pers- I haven't had worms in years. Knock on wood, I haven't had worms in years. But I find it that if you must medicate, I wouldn't medicate within the food, Um I would only medicate if you need it. Now, I have somewhat of an advantage because I learned about all the worms and all of the parasites, and I learn constantly about the parasites as well. So usually I know what I'm looking for. So if I see a tapeworm, if I see um, another parasite, I know how to treat it. But many of the new um, new quail owners, new chicken owners, um, they want to prevent worms, you know, they want to give apple cider vinegar, um, wazine, solmet, all of those are great, um, great choices. However, the best way to learn is to take your bird to the veterinarian and get checked out if you suspect worms. You will learn from the veterinarian and they may give you other medications. Many birds have become immune to many of these medications on the market. And lots of medications on the market are not designated for birds. So you don't really know that exact dose. So if you go to the vet and they give you the information um, that you need, it will teach you for the next run. And you can actually learn from them. And so if you do see that parasite again, if you see tapeworms and ringworms and all of those fun stuff, you will you will know your choices. The vet gives you the correct dosage, though. So just if they do give you a dosage and it happens again, you do not have to take them to the vet once you get that knowledge. But I wouldn't be wazing, wazing them up um, unless they really, really need it. And the vet may give you um, choices with wazing, too. Um, I've had many emails saying that it's not working, and mainly because they are giving them medication once a month or every two weeks. And that's overdoing it, to be honest. Quail are very hardy. They don't really get much ailments. And so um, it is really important to know what you're working, you know, what you have, what you're working with um, in order to make any um, educated um, choices for your birds. 
And in that case, I don't medicate unless I really need to. But once again, I worked with veterinarians. I went to school to be a vet, so I do have a lot of knowledge in that aspect. So for me, when I'm, you know, I'm giving my own dosages and everything, it is based on the information that is provided um, by a veterinarian. And so it's very important um, when medicating your birds to know what you're medicating for, especially with um, um, with diseases that are viruses. Um, viruses cannot be treated with antibiotics. Antibiotics usually treat um, what the virus caused, like lesions and um, bacteria infections. For example, fallpox. Fallpox can be treated by, it cannot be treated by, um, antibiotics, but the antibiotics do help with the um, with the symptoms that occur. So that that is my take on worming. Um, I recently learned, um, and I was always told, and this is probably due to something I heard on blogs or forums, that when you are medicating with wazine, that there is a withdrawal period. And um, that was something new, and I was so excited that I learned something new, because I love learning daily. And there um, that two weeks um, withdrawal period is a myth, and so I'm, you know, I have to update my book. Even um, I always, you know, it was stuck in my brain that it was a two weeks withdrawal period, and always ask the vet. The vet there, there's a lack of poultry vets out there, but usually avian vets can help. Um, for me, I um, there is an avian vet, actually a zoo vet, about three hours. Actually, it's like four and a half hours away from me that I can ask questions to. Um, knowing your veterinarian, um, I understand that taking your chicken to the vet may not be the option. Um, personally, I I really don't take my chicken to the vet unless it's an emergency and it's something that is that will affect the entire farm. And usually I sacrifice the bird in order to get the information because once it leaves my property, I really don't want to bring that bird back due to biosecurity because everybody, you know, you can get diseases from everywhere. Especially what's going on with the world right now, you know, you can you can catch it from you can catch things everywhere. So it might be a paranoia thing, but paranoia something's good when raising birds because it really makes you know what's going on with your flock. And um, those were the major um, questions on health. Now um, I have I still let me see if I can go um, into these questions here. Um, there's a lot of myth on, um, you know, worming and um, not worming, but also with lice and mites. One of the fads that was going on was di- um, diatomaceous earth. And with quail, um, I don't know, chicken-wise, um, chickens, there's many chickens that free range and everything, so they're not in a coop stuck, well, mine are, but they're not in a um, small enough coop that the diatomaceous earth may affect them. But there's a lot of particles in that substance that can cause um, irritation and respiratory problems in quail. So um, I, for me, I give them enrichment, and enrichment means that I give them an, um, a dust bath so they can dust bathe because my birds are raised on wire versus the floor. And so um, personally, wire does um, have very many health benefits to the quail, but they also get bored so they need enrichment and diatomaceous earth in a nest box within a small surrounding is not a good to do more research on it but all of the facts that I found on it is that it's more harmful to birds than helpful so it is one of the lessons learned you know I don't 
recommend it. If you must use um, any form of um, mite or lice treatment, seven dust is what I would use, or garden dust. They're just pyrethrins, and they really help um, for that problem. But once again, I haven't had mites in about 10 years with quail, so I really I find it that um, the more flooring you can get mites, also if they're near chickens. And that's another thing. Um, quail eggs are cute and you don't have an incubator. Can you use chickens to incubate them? And my issue is that chickens carry, um, just like quail carry um, some ailments, chickens can carry uh, mycoplasma and coryza, which can wipe out your entire flock of quail. And many of these diseases now can be passed on through the egg. So when the chicken incubates your quail egg, um, I find that a, a disastrous event because unless you have a really tiny chicken that won't um, crush the chicks when they hatch or crush the eggs, most of my chickens are large fowl. Um, I only have one little um, Old English, actually I have a little Old English bantam flock, and actually from Christmas chick I have um, Eddie. She knows Eddie. So um, little teeny guys, but most of mine, um, every they, they're so heavy that they crack their own eggs. So I really don't see any use of chickens incubating quail eggs. Um, possibly if you're in the self-sufficient and we end up nobody having um, electricity, um, you may have to resort to chickens um, incubating and hatching your quail eggs so that you can be a self-sufficient farmer as well. But I don't recommend chickens or quail, in that matter, being in the same pen, even eggs. Um, I will not incubate any um, quail eggs that have been touched by a chicken, which rarely happens, but um, unless a chicken goes loose and goes where it's not supposed to. Um, but definitely, um, I don't recommend it. Um, some of the other questions I have, and I'm just going to go by, we might have to have another um, session with um, frequently asked questions because my question list actually got to 15 pages now, and <laughs> I don't think everybody wants to hear me with, um, you know, going on and on and on about what you no. should or should not use with quail. So um, definitely um, with what my last thing I'm going to talk about today is winterizing quail because we are getting to the colder seasons, mm -hmm. and um, it really, you know, what do my quail need heat lamps is one of them. And um, to be honest, quail are very cold hardy. Bob whites can be outside in the snow. Coternics can be outside in the snow. As long as they have shelter so that they don't get chilled, um, they really don't need added light. Now, it can get, you know, for Minnesota, for example, quail may need to be inside and um, under a light and everything or in a heated room. But usually they can withstand up to negative 12 degrees um, of cold without failing. But it's also due to, um, it also is based on their genetic network and um, if you know if they're strong if they're, they're a strong line. So it's really a breeder's choice on what they can do with um, heat. Um, with a heat lamp, um, quail are jumpy. They do fly at around three weeks of age um, for coternics especially. And um, you can cause a lot of fires with heat lamps. And one of the problems is, you know, if you're raising chicks or raising quail and that heat lamp falls down, you can barbecue your birds. And it has happened to me where at this point, if I'm using heat lamps, which even if I'm Florida right now, I am brooding, so I am using heat lamps, I zip tie those, um, those suckers to whatever I want so that they won't fall down and they won't cause a fire. Because if, for any farmer, for any hobbyist, 
when your barn burns down and um or if you lose a bunch of birds to a fire, it really makes you feel guilty and dumb. So I really don't um heat lamps are wonderful, you know, they keep the bird warm, but zip tie them up. Hang um hang well you can hang them, but I zip tie because what happens is the birds hit the um top of the brooder and that lamp falls off. And you know, you can get fires that way. And especially since um, I do, um, for production, you need at least 16 hours of light per day. I do have to have a light on constantly. And I, even if it cages, if a quail gets out and jumps and hits the lamp and the lamp falls down, it can be a disaster as well. So, you know, zip tie them, screw them together. Um, quail shouldn't be out regardless, but um, heat lamps can be problematic, but they can be helpful as well. Now, with other species, with winterizing, budding quail and African harlequin, they do need heat. Um, you can lose your whole um, flock of budding quail or African harlequin if um, they get chilled because they are subtropical birds. And um, just like finches, you know, finches cannot be outside in the snow. Um, you know, the exotic finches, they will freeze. And losing your birds to not having enough heat um, can be a shame as well. Another thing, since we are in the last topic that I will discuss, because I'll just talk about others in the next show or so, um, the question, just like chickens, why are my quail not laying? And, you know, quail do start laying at six to seven weeks. Um, some of mine lay, start laying at eight weeks. And um, they will lay about 300 um, eggs a year under artificial lighting. Um, but just like season, when the season changes, chickens stop laying and you need that added light. The same with quail. Even if they're outside, they need 14 to 16 hours of light to be productive. Uh, another thing is molting. Molting affects the quail in laying. They will continue to lay. Some will quit, though. And just like chickens, you know, they have they go um, feathers require protein. And so lots of protein is needed for them to start laying on top of the feather growth as well. Another um, reason on why your quail are not laying may be the environment. I keep everybody in a building um, because of predator control. Mosquitoes, mosquitoes are terrible this year. But also, if your housing is outside and you have an, if you're in the city and you're raising quail, which I do think it's the most awesome idea to raise um, quail in the city, um, just make sure that you check your um, licensure of what is needed and with the state if it's allowed within your city as well. But predators, um, when you have um, birds outside, you have more cases of predators coming and disturbing the bird's laying cycle, and some birds can just freak out and not lay. So it's very important to have a safe environment for the birds, and that may help with their laying. Sometimes it's time, some, um, you know, sometimes it's their time that they just uh, may stop laying. The average for quail, for coternics especially, is 300 eggs a year, but there's 300. 365 days in the year. So there's 65 days at least average that the birds are not laying due to molt or environment changes. Nutrition is a big one, especially during molt. You know, they require um, 28% of protein in food, and um, their feathers are made of protein. They need, they use all that energy up growing the new feathers in that they don't want to lay. Nutrition is huge here. Protein, protein, protein. Low protein equals no eggs. Also, production goes much lower if they don't have protein and aggression occurs. And when birds are aggressive, they stop laying too because they're focused on trying to kill each other. 
So there are many factors on why your quail are not laying. And other times, and I don't like to, you know, mention this, but there are diseases, coryza, if they have coryza or CRD, chronic respiratory disease, which you should, if you've noticed this in your birds, get your birds tested for them and removed from flock as well. And what happens with some of these diseases and viruses is that it affects their reproductive system where they constantly um, lay shellless eggs or don't lay at all or lay cracked eggs or get um, egg impactions or egg um, inversions and all of that fun stuff. So, it, you know, it's very important to keep your animal healthy. You know, not raise them near chickens especially um, and protect them. You know, when they're not laying, there might be a case on why they're not laying. It's something that you may be doing. But if you're doing everything right, and usually people are doing everything right, it's patience. And one last thing about the quail not laying is if you buy um, to lay and they lay perfectly fine in one area and then you move them, you know, to your property, that that stress of transporting um, will cause them not to lay eggs as well. They may lay eggs for the first two days and then they stop. And that's basically stress. Um, quail are, any um, any species of quail are habitual. So they like sameness. And when they're used to another property for so long, you know, they may have, like, the environment, the lighting was perfect, they were fed a different food, and they come to your property, that um, the, all of those factors will cause them to not to lay. They have to get used to you, and it may take several months. And that's why I, um, you know, I'm writing this article um, about, you know, beginning of quail, um, the beginner's guide to quail, and there are just so many factors out there um, on why a bird is not laying. Um, I... Personally, my quail didn't lay for four months because um, even though I thought the barn, um, which is going to be a new facility for something else, I thought the barn was safe for them, but the cat was coming in every night and two opossums were coming in every night. Well, no wonder they're not laying. They're trying to save their lives. So they're, with quail not laying, um, sometimes you can do everything right, and then there's just one factor that they need that you haven't provided yet, and that's patience. Patience is key, and just like chickens, you know, my, um, they're like, well, my chicken is getting old, it's not laying. Well, m maybe something happened that the chicken doesn't want to lay because something is bothering it. So that is um, that would be why your quail are not laying, and there may be some underlying condition, too, that, you have a rep um, that your quail has a reproductive failure as well. Um, if it's, you know, laying soft eggs constantly, it could be a reproduction error, and if that case, just Try not to breed that bird because the genetics may pass on to the offspring, and then you really want a productive flock after all. All right, so these are some um, frequently asked questions that I've been seeing around, and um, I will. Um, all the other questions that I did find are very. Once again, I don't want to be talking for seven hours and having everybody fall asleep like in a college session. So. Um, you know, I'll, I can answer next time other questions on top of a topic um, that I'll talk about. Um, questions always need to be answered, that's for sure, so that you can have a um, productive yet su successful time with your quail. That's awesome. Really good information for uh, for whether you're a beginner or you currently have quail, uh, the, the questions that you found out there that need to be addressed, uh, and a lot of them in a timely manner to give you a little bit better understanding about maybe what to do, what not to do, the myths and stereotypes that, that, again, may be out there and getting the right information to the listeners who may want to start quail or already have and have quail like Christmas Chick does in the uh, chat room, always wanting to learn more 
about what different poultry that they have uh, on and around the farm. So, Alexander, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show today. We do appreciate it. That was perfect timing. We've got about three minutes and 26 seconds left. And um, if you will, in that time, tell us uh, how they can follow you on Facebook, Twitter, website, that sort of thing, and then we'll uh, call it a day. All right. Well, wonderful. Well, um, I can be followed in several areas. I have my personal page, um, but... um, you know, it does take a little bit of time for me to accept everybody. I also have Cellar Game Birds, Poultry and Waterfowl. That's my farm name. And um, you can follow me online um, on my um, business page, which I share good tidbits as well. Um, I now have, um, because I'm trying to um, separate personal life with work life, I have um, um, Alexandra Douglas, the Quail Lady. That's a page. It's not really updated much right now because I do have a lot of things to do lately, like writing that article. And um, also there, um, let's see what else, I have a few other pages. I have a homesteading page that I'm working on, and my dog has his own page, but that's another story as well. Um, but you can always um, email me at stellargamebirds at gmail.com with any questions, concerns. Um, you know, I, I'm very I may take a while to answer them, a couple days, maybe a week, but I'm always happy to answer your questions because I feel that questions is a form of learning as well. Um, I also have a book, Coternix Revolution. I am working on the second edition right now on it. Um, But you can always, um, there are links everywhere usually um, for where to purchase it and um, good information in there, but a second edition is always fun to do as well. And there will be another book coming out soon um on quail um a smaller book on quail um for um the beginners as well so there's there's many areas to find me it's kind of easy to find me um i like to post a lot in other groups um forums i tend to be out there because i just like to share information um but definitely the Coternix revolution is a good place um a good book to purchase there's a lot of scientific articles um that i used for it and personal knowledge as well. Um, so that's a good source um, for you all. And um, I did mention the budding quail book. Um, if you wanted to raise budding quail, um, there's no new book needed to be written on that. That is the Bible, and that will be in my shelf for years to come. In fact, I have to buy my own. I have to buy another copy of it. But um, definitely, if you need, if you have any questions, feel free to email me, uh, message me. I tend to be on Facebook about 24/7, um, but I do have. A side job, too, but the farm is my um, full-time job. Very good. Well, thank you so much for that information. And uh, the fourth Wednesday, fourth Wednesday of every month, you can hear Alexander Douglas right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow with Richard Frudenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine, tomorrow at 2 p.m. God bless everybody. slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.